You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. The title of this Viva podcast is, What are the most important steps to take to become secure? And when we talk about secure, we're referring to cybersecurity of your dental practice. We're talking to an expert on the topic, Dr. Lauren Levine, President and CEO of The Digital Dentist. Thanks, Dr. Levine, for joining us for another Viva podcast. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to today's podcast. Yeah, your other podcasts have been getting great feedback, and they've been very well embraced by our listeners. So my first question is, what are your best recommendations to our listeners to get their dental office secure? Uh, you mean besides chucking other computers and going back to yeah. paper? Yeah. Which besides that. We've had a lot of people tell me that that would be their preference. Uh, you know, I, I feel bad for offices. Uh, you know, when I started my practice, which was in 92, I think it was about a year in that OSHA came about. And I remember all the complaints and, oh, my God, how horrible this was. OSHA is a slap on the wrist compared to what you have to go through with cybersecurity and HIPAA. It's uh, completely uh, different than it was, uh, you know, years ago. So um, that being the case, you know, there are some things that you can and should be doing to get your office secure. You know, the whole premise of security is, well, what can you do to keep the bad guys out? What can you do to keep the information that's in your office there? And what do you do if someone does get a hold of that data? Mm-hmm. Keeping the bad guys out you want to use a firewall. There's different types of firewalls. I'm happy to go into a little more detail about that. There's software and hardware firewalls. Um, that's probably the, the best way to, to keep uh, the bad people out there. Well, what happens if someone gets through that? You want to have good protection against some of the viruses and worms and spyware out there. Almost all of that is uh, software-related, anti, anti-malware, we call it, which would include antivirus, anti, anti-spam, anti-spyware, um, anti-ransomware. Uh, we had talked previously in one of the podcasts about you know, what ransomware is and why that's so devastating. You need to have that in place. The other thing that you really want to do, and HIPAA actually specifically mentioned this, is if people are going to get a hold of your data, it would be a lot better if that data was garbled than if it was the information that, as you see it, that's where encryption comes into place, um, that uh, you really should be encrypting any computer that has protected health information on it. The server is the natural place for that, and we always recommend uh, that. A lot of practices don't keep all their data on the on the server. You know, a lot of times people make the mistake and, you know, I was uh, at a conference not re- all that long ago with a practice management software company and they were talking about their efforts to encrypt their database. Right. And my, and my conversation with them said, listen, that's great. I think it's wonderful that you're doing that, but you don't want to give your, your clients, your customers, the false impression that encrypting the practice management software database is all they need to do because there are so many other sources of electronic protected health information. There are images, there's emails, Word documents, spreadsheets, QuickBooks, Invisalign. I mean, any of these programs that have a patient name or a chart ID or initials or anything is considered a HIPAA identifier and is considered protected health information. So we are oftentimes recommending that either get all that data off of the workstations onto the server or encrypt those uh, devices as well. But right. overall, I mean, you've got to 
have some type of firewall in place and have software protecting the, the office. It's just mm-hmm. crazy not to. And, you know, you don't need to spend a fortune. That's the good news is that a lot of this stuff can be done relatively inexpensively. Uh, but you really need to have some decent protection in place. Yeah. So you're talking about costs and you mentioned firewall. So what exactly is um, what are the costs associated with a firewall? And if you want to describe a firewall, maybe in a little more detail to those that are not completely familiar with the word. And, and as I mentioned, what does it cost for a, a private practice of, you know, two or three dentists or a group practice to install? Sure. So, you know, firewalls have been around for a long time, probably 25 plus years. And, you know, you, you could get different definitions. You could go online and Google it. it. It's basically, and some of them, there are software firewalls. Every version of Windows dating back to, I don't know, long before XP, it might have been Windows 3.1 even, right. has had some type of firewall in place. When I talk about a firewall, I'm normally talking about a hardware device, and it's considered a, a network security device. It is monitoring not just the incoming, but the outgoing network traffic as well. And that's critical because a lot of people think of firewalls as well. We want to keep the bad guys out, and that makes perfect sense. But you want to make sure that any data that's in your practice isn't leaving the, like, like it's not supposed to. Um, so the firewall is going to monitor that incoming and outgoing traffic. And it decides whether it's going to allow or block specific traffic based on a set of rules. A well-designed firewall allows you to change the rules and edit the rules to, to meet your practice's needs. Mm-hmm. You know, as I said, these things have been around for a quarter of a century. It's basically it's establishing a barrier between what you can secure and control, which is your internal network that's trusted, and everything on the outside, which is which is basically untrusted. Mm-hmm. Um, if you buy a router, and pretty much every office has a router because they're sharing their internet connection, almost every router out there has a basic firewall built into it. Right. It is, you know, it's sitting there in the background. It's usually, as I said, very basic. You typically can't do a whole lot of modifications to it. Uh, if, if you're getting it through your internet service provider, your cable company, for example, they oftentimes won't even let you get onto that at all. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to trust them to, to set it up. And it's, they're not as, as good, I think, as some of the, the individual firewalls that you can buy out there. So, you know, if you buy a router, you know, it's going to cost you, I don't know what, 50 to 100 bucks for, for a decent router that's got a, a built-in firewall. There's nothing in the HIPAA rules or regulations that say you need a specific type of firewall. As a matter of fact, they don't even talk about firewalls very much. Um, we've seen, unfortunately, some some less than honest uh, vendors out there trying to sell their firewalls as being HIPAA compliant or HIPAA certified. And there's no such thing. HIPAA does not certify hardware under any circumstances. HIPAA says, here's what you need to do to protect the data. And how you go about doing that is up to you as long as you're within, you know, consider the, the industry standards and, and, and norms. The firewalls that we normally recommend for people, um, there's one from a company called Sophos. Um, there's sonic walls out there. You should expect to pay somewhere between 500 to 700 is pretty typical. There are some a little, now you don't, you know, for a dental office, unless you're a large DSO or, you know, you know, multi-location group practice, you don't need a Cisco enterprise 
$2,500 firewall. You can get by with what we call a Soho type firewall, which is small office, home office type firewall. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, one nice thing with some of the more developed firewalls is we talked about the need for, a, for ransomware protection and malware protection. A number of the firewall companies actually have that as a subscription that you can include with the firewall itself. So rather than going out and buying separate antivirus software, you can buy the firewall and pay, usually it's not more than a couple hundred bucks a year, for some type of uh, anti-malware protection built into the firewall. Um, The the whole premise being that if it doesn't get past that, it's never going to get onto your system in the first place, and that's always better than having to deal with the virus once it's already onto your computers. Right. So the firewall, the way we're talking about it is is a piece of hardware. um, And you're saying with purchases of certain pieces of hardware as a firewall, you could get a subscription to software that could be updated. You know, like firm, is it firmware, considered firmware that gets updated? Yeah, not by all definitions of what we think of firmware. Um, firmware, you, you know, there is firmware built into the motherboard of these devices that you can update on a regular basis. But it's actually built, it, yeah, it's, it kinda, it's, it's a cross between firmware and software. Okay. Um, but w- the way you described it is pretty accurate, that it, it is a hardware device. It's between your, uh, your router and or your, your modem and the, um, the rest of your network. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's the first line of defense. Everything is going to be seen by that firewall. It determines what gets through or doesn't get through. Um, and it has those antivirus definitions built into it so that if a file comes through that does have a virus on it, it's going to stop it before it even gets onto your network. So is that, is that the most important thing a dentist could do is to purchase a quality firewall? In my mind, I think it's a great first step. Um, I, it doesn't mean that I wouldn't have some type of uh, software protection as well. It's kind of like the old, you know, you want to keep your pants up or you can get a belt, you can get suspenders or you can get them both. And um, I'm not against having multiple lines of defense. So uh, for most of the offices that we work with, we have provided them a firewall and we would also recommend specific protection, more so for the ransomware, but for general viruses and, and spyware as well, because we think they're, they're all important. So these firewalls you mentioned, uh, they kind of protect the in-traffic, the bad guys coming in, and also what the bad guys, if they did get in, what would be going out. So is that so if someone's trying to import or export uh, a SQL Server database and, and pull it out of the office, would that firewall detect that and protect it from coming leaving the office? It can. That's the beauty of, of some of these better firewalls is that you can actually set up a set of rules and, and, uh, and edit them as necessary that dictates what type of traffic or the volume of the traffic or the time of the day of the traffic. I mean, all that stuff can, can be monitored. Um, where the firewalls in the past have always been really helpful, uh, and you may have heard about this in the past, is that sometimes there's malware out there that takes over your computer and has it doing all kinds of nasty things, and, you know, those are called zombie computers. And a lot of times, in most cases, you, you're never aware that anything is going on in the background, that your computer is being used that way. A firewall would certainly be something that would be able to tell you, hey, that your computer is acting like a zombie, and it would shut it off immediately. So... Yeah. Um, they're very customizable. This is one of the areas, you know, we work with a lot of tech-savvy dentists, and I'm more than happy to provide them guidance. Um, there are certain areas where even for tech-savvy people, we say, listen, 
you really should work with, you know, with not us, with some IT company that really knows whatever firewall that they are recommending to you, uh, because you really, it, it takes a while to set it up properly. Sometimes you have to fine tune it. You know, you, you can have them be too, too rigid where stuff can't get, you can't remotely access your office anymore. Right, right. Uh, you can't send out e-claims. I mean, you, you don't want it to be so debilitating that you can't function, but you don't want it wide open that basically anything can get in and out. Right. Now, that's a great point. That's a great point. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk about ransomware a little bit. You did cover that on a, on another podcast, but uh, we'd like to hear more about it. And the, before we start on that, the thing that blows my mind is that, um, sophisticated multinational companies uh, get exposed to this stuff, you know, like uh, production companies, I don't know, movie company, you know, w w was it Sony or some of these incredible? It was Sony. Yeah. It was, it was the ransomware. So you think that they would have a good firewall, right? I mean, it's Sony. So we're talking about dentists that don't have nearly the budget of Sony. And obviously that's, it's, we're simplifying things quite a bit, but um, you know, when you talk about ransomware, going in this podcast and we'll ask about what are the steps to protect against ransomware. If you could tell us, you know, what went wrong with a company like Sony and we certainly don't want that to happen to a dentist. And I don't know exactly what happened with Sony. I mean, Sony was actually hit twice. They were hit with a, a ransomware virus, uh, which covered a lot of their, their movies and TV shows. And it got, uh, they, they got hacked as well, where a lot of the, the executives emails were, were discovered um, their PlayStation Network a number of years ago was hacked, and they were down for multiple weeks. Mm -hmm. um, it's tough. Uh, there's no doubt that a company like Sony is going to be a bigger target right. than your corner dental office. Right. Right. But as I had talked about in a previous podcast, with medical records being so valuable, medical dental records being you know, extremely valuable on the black market, um, you, you, you should not assume that, that you're not a target. I think one of the biggest challenges for any organization, both dental offices and organizations like Sony, and I don't know specifically if this was the case with them, is a lot of them have what's called a BYO policy, bring your own policy, where it basically says you're allowed to use your cell phones, your other mobile devices while you're at work. Well, those devices aren't set up necessarily with security in mind. And, you know, you're connected to the company Wi-Fi and all of a sudden you, you've got hit, hit with some type of virus. Now you are now typhoid Mary of <laughs> that virus for the rest of the organization. There's a lot of ways that can that uh, malware can get into a, a, a network. And, and yes, firewalls are great first steps to have in place. We want to have protection in place. But at the end of the day, we're talking about humans. And humans are going to click on emails that they shouldn't click on. And they're going to go to websites that they shouldn't go to. And stuff happens. And even the best firewalls, and we talked a little bit this before about zero-day exploits, where there are certain types of malware that are so new that the anti-virus, anti-malware software programs don't recognize them as being that. And they get in. So it's, even the best protections you know, you can't avoid all potential breaches. That's why we always, as I said, we recommend um, having some type of breach insurance in place, having encryption in place, because if, if and you, you, you hit the nail on the head, if a large multinational organization with probably hundreds, if not thousands of people on the payroll, whose sole function is to protect that organization, 
if they can't do it, you know, what chance do you have as a dental office? Right. That doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Right. But again, your point well taken. They're a huge target. They have they know that the ransom will be a whole lot more than the corner dentist. Nothing to say, you know, not to mitigate what a corner a corner dentist makes a year. But um but they you know, they have these massive programs that go out searching for weak points. You know, they'll look for weak points like who doesn't have a firewall or who doesn't have the proper viral protection software. And uh they you know, they'll prey on those offices obviously. Is that correct? Yeah, it's automated. I remember uh, reading a study a number of years ago where they took unprotected computers and installed them in an office or wherever, home, whatever, got them online and started to count, you know, how long does it take for them to be attacked? And I think the average was something like 16 minutes hmm. from the time a computer is first online to the first penetration attempts are being made. So it's, um, it's scary. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's all automated. It's not like someone's decided, Hey, I want to, go out and look just for dental offices. They just do a you know, penetration on a whole set of IP addresses that can cover thousands of, of computers and, you know, they'll, they, they get their hits and they go from there. Yeah. Imagine if they spent all their time focusing on good things, how, how much better the world would be instead of figuring out ways to uh, mess up people's days. Uh, like, Well, yeah. That would, then, of course, I wouldn't have anything to do. But yeah, that's, that's right. Cool. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, something else. Yeah, that's, that's right. So you hope they keep it up. Keep up the good work, bad guys. No, not really. Uh, we, we feel really badly for our clients when they have to go through some of this stuff. It, listen, it's, it's not the way people thought of when they went into their practice. You know, listen, I started my practice in 92. And, you know, OSHA was my biggest concern, but my, you know, most of the people that I worked with didn't have computers in the operatories. And all I was worried about was getting new patients in the door. That was, that was my focus. And it's a completely different ball game nowadays. And I, I do feel a lot of empathy for offices that are going through it because, you know, my son's turning 12 in a couple of weeks and, you know, start talking about career choices. And I, I think the healthcare field would not be at the top of my list for him. Right, right. Actually, I, I just went to a seminar on, on something else, and the guy who was giving the seminar said the number one job uh, that anybody would want to get going forward, if, if he was a young person, he would be a data scientist. That's what they call them, data scientists, which are basically, you know, individuals that have the expertise to interpret big data. And that's that's where the future is. But uh, mm-hmm. people still need dentists. They'll still need dentists. Anyway, we're uh, we're absolutely so happy that um, you came on the show. Your expertise and the knowledge that you're providing our listeners is invaluable. And hope to see you on an upcoming Deepa podcast soon, Dr. Levine. Thank you so much for joining Thanks. us. Thank you. Thank you for having me.